and welcome to the first episode of our new series of Thames Podcasts. My name is James Coleman and over the next academic year we'll be speaking to a number of guests from the teacher training world to gain their knowledge and expertise. We kick off the series by chatting to NASBIT Executive Director Emma Hollis. Emma tells us why the Thames has been created and what impact NASBIT hope it will have on teacher educators as well as giving important advice on how to support both yourself and your mentee during the uncertain time that we're working in. That and much more coming up on this year's first Thames podcast. Okay, so I'm delighted to say Emma's with us. Hi Emma, how are you? Hi James, I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, It's wonderful to have you on the very first uh, Nasbit Thames podcast. Um, To kick us off, uh, tell us a little bit why Nasbit have been working on creating something like the Thames. Absolutely. So it's exciting to be here and exciting that we're launching this series. Thank you for organising, James. Um, The Thames, there's twofold uh, thinking behind the Thames really Um, and the first is the bit that's closest to my heart which is about making the role of the mentor acknowledged um, as absolutely central to the importance of developing uh, ITT trainees early career teachers and even beyond that Um, we know anecdotally that um, the relationship between a mentor and a trainee teacher for example can be the difference between a fantastically successful year and a year that a trainee really struggles with and that's also true for NQTs, RQTs, um, the ability to engage with a mentor who understands how to identify their specific needs, how to bring them on, how to work with them can really transform the development of a teacher in their early career but what we're also seeing is that far too often mentoring is handed to the person who last puts their hand up in the room or the person that happens to have an hour on their timetable without any real thinking about the skills, um, the knowledge, the understanding, the desire to work with early career teachers, all of those things that are needed to make that relationship work really well. Um, And we're part of what we do at NASBIT is to try and change that discourse. So we're trying to help schools, school leaders and mentors themselves see just how crucial that role is, how important it is and how central it is to getting it right for our teachers and then ultimately um, for the children that we're teaching. So the idea of a, a central professional learning space where mentors could come together, could um, start to identify those skills that I talked about. Uh, what are those skills? Where are my strengths? Where are perhaps my areas for development? And if there is an area for development that I, I can identify, how do I go about doing that? That was the thinking behind this. Um, and then the other arm of it really was that our members were coming to us saying, um, They love our TEPs, they love the work that we're doing to help them develop their mentors, but how could we help them to support their mentors further? And so those two ideas convened and the Thames was born. I guess one of the biggest challenges in probably every Ofsted report we've ever seen over the last decade really always links to consistency of mentoring and and how to support mentoring. Um, And it's a challenge that lots of providers have had for a long time. Can we overemphasize just how important, I know you've already touched on it just then, but overemphasize just how important the mentor is in the year of a, te- of a trainee, or as you say, in an early career teacher or someone who's maybe moving into middle management and is having support from that perspective. Yeah, just how yeah, important is that mentor? 
You're absolutely right. And it is every single Ofsted, not the Ofsted of the Beal and Endor, but every single Ofsted report you ever read will mention consistency of mentoring, quality of mentoring. And almost always, even where it's identified as a strength of a partnership, and it often is identified as a strength of a partnership, there's almost always kind of more work that can be done. And I think that's always going to be true when you're dealing with lots of moving parts, which you always are with mentors coming in and out of roles. It's not a uh, you know, it's not a specified role that you think, right, I'm going to be a mentor and that's my job for the next 10 years and I can devote myself entirely to doing that. Um, and that's part of the issue around mentoring is that is something that we're expecting people to do in addition to their day, day role, uh, their day job. But the skills are very different. It is very different being a mentor to an adult learning to teach than it is to be a teacher for obvious reasons. Um, and so um, that that kind of centrality of the mentor role you're quite right james can't be overemphasized it is the um the be all and end all really of making your program of itt or your support for your nqts work really well as a provider when i was running a skit and i was running a teaching school um i entirely relied on my mentors to we you know we would plan and develop uh, programs and um ways of thinking and areas of research that we wanted to share with our trainees but we relied on the mentors being able to put that into action for them in school um, and it is that army of mentors that you work with who bring your programs to life so you know the, the, the army of mentors is a, a, a great phrase do those people that army of yours you know some of those people will be really experienced mentors some of them will have worked perhaps with other providers lots of times but maybe are working with your provision for the first time Lots can change for a mentor, whether they're experienced or inexperienced. If there is a mentor listening to this and perhaps, you know, it's, it's middle of August and they're preparing themselves for taking on a trainee in September, how could they interact with the Thames, do you think, to support them in being as prepared as they possibly can be for September? Yeah, I think the um, that's one of the challenges we were trying to solve um, or partly solve in the development of the Thames is that mentors quite often will work across a variety of providers and providers change their processes year on year um, in, you know, in response to things they've learned and um, new national priorities. Um, but ultimately, there is something around the the central skills the central knowledge the central understanding what it is to be a mentor that we felt that we could really drill down to and crystallize so that that would be the same whether you're working with university a skip b teaching school c those those central um kind of that central framework for professional knowledge and understanding could be common across all of those different types of providers. And yes, you might need to get to grips with slightly different paperwork and slightly different ways of doing things, but that's a much more kind of logistical issue. But the, the central bits are what we've developed in the professional framework. So the professional framework is um, kind of divided. It's a, it's a roundel, it's divided into um, four main areas is that right james you'll have to remind me if i've that's absolutely wrong. right no um, four main with, areas that's right within each of those four main areas there are subsections um which explore in more depth um specific areas um, of your practice so in terms of engaging with it as a either a new mentor or or as a very experienced mentor take a look at the roundel to start with have a look at the four broad areas have a think about um 
kind of an honest chat with yourself about where you know your strengths are and where perhaps um, you know there's a little bit more work to do or an area of interest that you'd like to develop further. And then the way the website is set up, it allows you to, to kind of drill down more and more into each of those areas. And we'll then signpost you to some interesting reading, some articles, TED Talks. Um, it will also give you three key things that you can go away and do in your practice tomorrow to start to embed this um, in a really positive and actionable way. The, the, the framework it, itself, one of the things you mentioned then was that, you know, lots of different providers, or everyone will work in a slightly different way. Is, is, is the framework something that you individually within Nasbit have come up with, or did you work alongside other people creating that framework? Where did, where did that framework come a, from? Absolutely, it was a collaboration. So we brought together a really fantastic group of um, of colleagues from across the university te teaching schools, skit and school direct lead school sectors so we had a real broad um, a broad church of different perspectives different approaches um, and we brought those together we thrashed things out we um, we drew on some research that had been really successful in the Netherlands um, sort of our equivalent um, an organization called Valon in the Netherlands have been doing this for around 15 years and they first developed their framework 15 years ago and have been uh, tinkering with it and developing it ever since um, so we drew on that for some inspiration but then we uh, we rewrote pulled apart rewrote again sent it round it was a real collaboration before we got to the place uh, we are now the Thames is relatively new. This is our first podcast um, and people will be engaging with it for the very first time. What sort of plans do Nasbet have for the Thames kind of moving forward as it shifts and grows and develops? What, what can people expect once they've signed up as it starts to grow? So initially it will be more content. So there is at the moment there's there's loads of content on there already and uh, the, the team that have been pulling that together have done a great job in sourcing what's out there, what's great quality, what's out there and uh, and really accessible. That was one of our kind of key drivers in this is we know that you as mentors are incredibly busy people. So we're not trying to give you um, huge uh, epic sagas to read and massive pieces of research that are going to take you months to decipher what we're trying to do is distill really great research really great knowledge really great stories into very bite-sized easily digestible um, pieces for you and also in a in a variety of different uh, media so some things that you'll read some things that you'll watch some things are interactive cpd sessions that you'll undertake through nasbit learn um, and so we're, we're looking initially to expand that, uh, that library of, of content so that we are making sure that it's fresh and up to date and the latest thinking is included. Um, over time, we'd like to see it develop into even more of a professional learning community. So uh, allowing you to directly connect with other mentors, um, be able to set up forum or um, groups where you can link with other mentors with similar uh, interests to you or mentoring in, a, in the same subject or those kinds of things where you can start to learn from one another um, and throw a question out there and ask for people's opinions and share your stories and let us know if you're doing something really successfully or you've come across something that you're really excited about then for you to be sharing that with us and it to become a really interactive resource. Um, and beyond that, we want to hear from you. So as you say, James, it's really new. We've got some fantastic pe uh, people signing up to use it already. We've had some great anecdotal feedback, but please do keep that coming because we're learning 
um, as we're going. So if there's something you'd like to see on there that isn't, um, or there's a great piece of research you've read or a fantastic article or a video that you've seen that you think should be included, uh, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll make sure that it goes on there. I know one of the things you're really passionate about is, is kind of driving that, the profile of the mentor within teacher education, whether that's working with a trainee, whether that's working with an experienced teacher. What sort of things are Nasbit trying to do is trying to build the profile of a mentor uh, beyond just the Thames, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So we do that at several levels. At the, at the kind of highest level, we do it in terms of trying to influence policy. So I spend a lot of my working life talking to various teams at Department for Education about uh, upcoming policy or existing policy changes or um, direction of travel for the sector. And in every one of those meetings, um, I champion the role of the mentor, the importance of the mentor, the importance that the mentor is given time, space, recognition, commitment from their school leadership teams to do their job well. And part of doing your job well is, is A, just simply having the time to do it, but also being given the time and space to explore what it means to be a great mentor beyond your kind of instinctive understanding of that. Um, so at that level we're, we're promoting uh, we also work with our provider members so we, lots of our training and development that we run involves helping uh, SCIT and HEI leaders to develop their mentors in a, in a kind of top trickle down approach if you like so we talk to them about our learning as we've been uh, finding the best research reading around what makes great mentoring we then develop that into CPD which we share with um, providers who can then disseminate that down to their mentors and linked to that we also have our teacher educator programs which are uh, NASBIT badged mentoring and coaching development programs which we license out to uh, our members to be able to deliver um, working with mentors we also do bespoke versions of those ourselves so kind of direct training with mentors and we're just in a very exciting uh, stage at the moment of working with a an organization to move those into um, an online version as well so that we can uh, allow mentors to access them in the widest possible sense um, and engage with things um, in, a, in a variety of different ways face-to-face -face, synchronous asynchronous and so on so um, at every level we're promoting the importance of mentors the mentoring role um, and actually mentorship which goes beyond the one-to-one -one mentoring role so something I also spend a lot of time talking to the DfE about is how mentoring needs to um, pervade a school culture so that a school has a culture of mentorship uh, which goes beyond the one-to-one -one, um, relationship and becomes about there's that old phrase about it takes a village to raise a child and I always think it takes a whole school to raise a teacher so it's about the learning support assistant who pops their head in the door because they can see things aren't going, going quite to plan and sees if they can help it's about the person who spots that you're not having a great day and brings you a cup of tea in the staff room and has a little chat with you to see if there's anything they can do it's about the senko who actively uh, seeks you out to share information about the ch child that they know is in your class um, and it's about the head teacher who makes sure that there's a a spirit of collaboration within their school and not competition so that teachers want to share their planning and they want to um, support and lift up their colleagues rather than uh, kind of competing with them um, and that that goes beyond that one-to-one -one mentoring role that we've been talking about and that you might see in the Thames but becomes something much broader 
um, and I think that's also a, a really important thing to champion alongside. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and for that that wider overview is is crucial in in terms of supporting not only the trainee but supporting the mentor to be able mm. to perform their role as effectively as they need to. Absolutely, yeah. So for someone who's possibly listening to this in, in away from Thames, away from Nasbit potentially, for you as an individual, a, a mentor, what, what sort of qualities do, would you be looking for from your very best mentors? What things, what two or three things do you think really make the very best mentors stand out from the rest? Really good question. So I think the things I would be looking for is somebody who is passionate about uh, about the role. So it hasn't been given the role, forced, you know, the role hasn't been forced on them, but it's something that they are actively interested in doing uh, because they want to make a difference. And what's really interesting, when you start to lift yourself out of the classroom teacher role where you have that direct impact on children and start to work in teacher educator roles where you're working with adults, your impact suddenly becomes much wider very quickly so you're impacting more children in in a slightly less direct way but your um your ability to improve improve the life chances of children suddenly becomes much greater so being really passionate about improving the life chances of young young children and young people through your your work as a teacher educator i also like to see people who really look for the best in the person they are mentoring and not attempting to create a mini me. So mm. there are a whole variety of really um, different ways that you can be a fantastically successful teacher. And I think the ability to look inwardly and see what it is that makes me a great teacher, but also look outwardly and say, but what might this person have that's different to me, but which we, I can help to develop. And that's quite a tricky thing to do sometimes and, and quite a subtle skill for a mentor because the temptation often can be this works for me therefore you should do the same and sometimes that's not the best way forward for that particular person because of the way they uh, their personality is or the way they engage with children or that can their, take, their particular views that can take quite a lot that's quite com you need to be quite confident in your own skin don't you especially if you're a new mentor you need to be very confident with your own teaching style to be able to step back and acknowledge that perhaps the way you're doing something isn't going to work for someone else and then Absolutely. have a conversation with that have a conversation with that person around okay well these are the areas that i do, i use or these are the things i prioritize and they work for me because of x y and z but i can see that for you that isn't potentially going to work because of x y or z for you and that certainly when you're early on in your mentoring career that, that can be quite a difficult process to go through it really can because it can almost feel that, that like you're being critical of your approach to things and i think that leads into the third thing i'd be looking for really nicely which is someone who is also willingly on a personal journey of, of mm. development and discovery because actually um unless you can acknowledge that you're not a finished article and none of us are we're never finished articles unless you can acknowledge that and be open to discussion and change and debate and thinking about well why do i why do i do it that way and yes this does work for me but why does it work for me and, and unpicking that and as a mentor that's actually if you embrace it and you can um, you can work within that idea of, of moving forward and developing and thinking, it can be a really exciting uh, role and it can really help you develop. The best CPD I ever had as a teacher was mentoring others because in, in unpicking what I was doing, I was growing far more as a teacher than I ever had through any other type of CPD. But you do have to be open to that um, 
that process of change and, and thinking about what you're doing and discussing that with uh, with somebody who is more junior to you ultimately um, either in in age or in stage it, it could be either um, and as you say James that can sometimes feel really uncomfortable but being comfortable with being uncomfortable and having those discussions um, I think can make all the based on my experience really but I think it's something that that I've spoken to other people about too is sometimes again early on in, in a mentor's career if a trainee or whoever they're mentoring asks a lot of questions they can they can end up being quite defensive about that and actually mm-hmm. appreciating and understanding that at the step the level of understanding that that trainee is at at the moment asking questions is exactly what they need to do and it's not that they're asking them because they're questioning whether you're good at doing that it's because they maybe don't understand it yet or it's because they want to understand how and why you're doing something absolutely and we always say to children don't we there's no such thing as a silly question um and that we need to mean that we need for that to be true but that's also true of working with um with trainees and nqts and and early career teachers um they're asking because they want to know and so even if you feel that they're asking and it's almost questioning what you're doing if you see that as an opportunity to unpick for yourself and for them what it is you're doing and how you're working you'll you'll both find that you grow as a result of that one of the biggest challenges for you know any teacher whether we're talking about mentoring whether we're talking about marking whether we're talking about assessment whether we're talking about planning time is not something mm-hmm. that a lot of us have um, a mentor who perhaps is really excited about the idea of investing in someone else all the brilliant qualities that you've just listed all the things that we would know we want our mentors to have if they're sat there thinking, I want to do all this, but I'm really worried that it's going to consume me by doing all that. It's going to take up my entire week when I already have very little time anyway. What sort of uh, reassurance can you give them? Maybe advice that you could give to someone who's becoming a mentor about whether or not it needs to become something that is all encompassing, that takes up their entire week. Is it, is it, does the role demand that? Does it need to be that? I don't think it does need to be that. I think it can become that. And I think as educators, we do tend to throw ourselves into things wholeheartedly and we do allow our roles to, to consume what we do. That, that's a, a fairly typical trait that I see in teachers and something that we really do have to guard against. Um, and one of my other passions, um, aside from mentoring and teacher education, is um, mental health and well-being of teachers. So um, I would very much guard against that. And I'm glad you've asked that question, James, because it's really important that with all of the things I talked about needing to, to have and wanting to work with trainees or, or NQTs and having that passion, the most important thing is also, is self-care. So it's, the, it's a bit of an old hackneyed phrase now, but the, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others Mm -hmm. is absolutely true if you're not centered and calm and able to feel in control of what you're doing then you're not going to be able to help the trainee or the NQT that you're working with and you're not going to be able to help the children that you're teaching so absolutely you do need to take care of yourself first in terms of advice I wish I had a magic wand that could solve the the fact that um, schools are so time poor the Thames isn't going to overnight um, solve that problem I think what we are trying to do is um, centralize lots of information from many different places so save you lots of time in terms of going away and finding the information you might need and putting it all in a in a one-stop shop place for you Um, so we're hoping to save you some time from that perspective Um, but the only piece of advice i can have really give in this situation is communicate so keep communicating communicate with your 
the person you're working with, whether that's a trainee or an NQT, and explain to them the times you do and don't have available and make that really clear. Um, communicate with your senior leadership team, explain to them. They may have forgotten just how much time and effort it takes to develop a new teacher. You would really hope they don't, haven't forgotten because they've been through it themselves. They've been new teachers and they've, you know, the, the time it took to develop them should still be in their minds, but they're busy people too and they can forget. Um, so communicate with them, talk to them, explain to them the time that things are taking, but do it with a, a positive solution driven focus. So rather than um, I haven't got enough time to do this, so I can't do the job uh, at the moment, I'm struggling with to find enough time for my trainee. Could I suggest that and come with a solution that means that your head te you're not adding additional pressure onto your senior leadership team because you're coming ready made with a solution and they're just going to be more open to, to working with you in those circumstances, I think. It feeds back to that idea of being vulnerable and being okay with being feeling vulnerable in that moment and, mm -hmm. and communicating that. So being a mentor doesn't necessarily mean you have to know everything. First of all, if your trainee comes to you and says something with a new bit of research from one of their training days that you've never seen, don't feel like you need to know what that is. You mm -hmm. may not know what that is. You, you, you know, my teacher training was a decade ago. There'll be lots of things that trainees will have now that I will possibly never even heard of. And that that's great. That's, that's, that's the benefit of being a mentor is that you're being exposed to these things that you maybe wouldn't know already. But again, I think there's an element of vulnerability there. You need to be able to say to your trainee, do you know what? I don't know about that. Let's sit down and talk about it. So you can talk me through how it works. Or mm. do you know what? Actually, I, I, I'm feeling a little stressed at this time. Do you mind if we have our meeting in an hour or so once I've managed to catch up with these books rather than feeling like you have to do it at that time specifically because you were, that's what it said on your timetable being able to be vulnerable and demonstrating that to the trainee can be really powerful. Absolutely. And it's really important that we, we do demonstrate that kind of self-care to trainees because we want to bring up a generation of teachers who understand how important that is. So, um, modeling what you would expect other colleagues to do in terms of taking time for yourself communicating that you're having a bad day, that I'm feeling a bit stressed, that I'm a bit worried about this. Absolutely. Right. Um, really important that that you model that you also touched on something about mentors not needing to know everything and, and that is so true and it can you can it's almost the same as when you're teaching that if children ask you a question you don't know the answer to sometimes the temptation can be to panic and worry um, and of course as you become more experienced as a teacher you know that you don't need to do that because what you'll say to the children is I don't know let's find out that out together or you know let, let's um who can find a book that has the answer to that or there's all kinds of techniques you can use where you're not exposing um, any ignorance you're just showing you're modeling to the children how you can learn together and this is the same thing we would expect from mentors with their trainees as a mentor you're by no means expected to have all of the information that the trainee could possibly need but what you can and should be doing is signposting the trainee to where they might find that information. So your network of colleagues, the SENCO, the, the LSA that really knows how to deal with a particular child's needs, the, um, you know, the, the teacher who really manages that kind of uh, behavior issue on a wind, windy Friday afternoon that you can say, mm -hmm. go and watch what they do. All of those, that knowledge of the people that your trainee can learn from, which comes back to the mentorship uh, concept is it's you're not expected to have all the answers but part of your role is to signpost the trainee or the NQT to where they can find them. Is it a myth by the way that wind 
impacts the behavior of children because I, I got told that from the very start of my teaching career that windy days were the worst days for children's behavior is that something that's been backed up by science or is that just I don't myth? believe there is scientific study but my personal experience of teaching is that it is absolutely true <laughs> and that if I ever had a, a practical lesson planned for an afternoon and it had been a windy lunchtime I would scrap it and do something else entirely because it does send kids bats I'm sure <laughs> I used to just I used to just blame their, their, my terrible behavior management skills and the fact that there was a, a slightly stiffer breeze during the <laughs> afternoon than there was in the morning um there'll be lots of providers as well as mentors uh, listening to this and from their perspective how how can they get mentors to engage with the Thames? What, what sort of process is there in place, uh, you know, practically for providers who are thinking, yeah, great, the Thames resource sounds like something I really want my, my mentors to be involved with. How can they get them involved? How can they get them to sign up into the Thames? Share the, share the link for them to sign up. It's really simple. It's free. So there's nothing for them to pay. They just have to give a, a very small amount of information so that we, we, know that they are who they say they are um, and then they have access to all of this great material including a load of the um, the modules from Nasbit Learn so some um, CPD that they can engage with all of that is completely free so please encourage them to sign up by sharing uh, the link to do so and um, hopefully as you do your mental training as we go into um, the next academic year you'll be talking to them about it when you're uh, when you're developing your mental training and perhaps even you using bits of the research from it yourself or using a fun, you know, one of the TED talks appeals to you, you could work that into your mentor training, um, but make it part of the, the everyday discourse. Um, and if you are one of the providers who is um, including signposting for your mentors in the weekly conversations that they have with trainees you could be signposting them to things through the Thames so I know that some providers for example are saying this week I'd like you to have a conversation with your trainee about cognitive load theory for example um, well perhaps you could say if you'd like to brush up on your own knowledge this is where you can find it and signpost them to where they'd find it in within the Thames that that kind of approach. Hey. I think the Nasbit Learn uh, offering, for, for, certainly for mentors, um, have, if they've not been a mentor before, um, they, they may not know about Nasbit Learn. What, what, what is that and, and how, can train, how can mentors engage with that? Nasbit Learn is a, an online library of CPD. It's asynchronous CPD, which means that um, the, uh, the person engaging with it can do it in their own time, at their own pace. Um, and it's uh, very interactive. It can be used on a mobile device or on a, a laptop or PC. Um, and there are a whole range of different titles. Um, and we've uh, curated those for the titles that are most appropriate for mentors to engage with. Um, so you could, uh, they get a digital badge on completion, so that can be part of their own um, CPD that they can use as part of their performance management, um, and they'd have evidence towards that, um, but it is a, an online uh, uh, library of, of, uh, of great quality CPD. Brilliant. And for any mentors, I think, who are looking to, you know, perhaps develop some practice beyond those the soft skills that the, the Thames will point you towards, I think is a, a really good option for those mentors to be able to engage in. And as you say, if, if providers want to point them towards specific CPD that they would like their mentors to engage with, again, that can come part of that, which I, I think is really valuable. Um, uh, away from mentoring, Emma, and I haven't told you this prior to the podcast, uh, purposely, we, we, do our, we do our big five on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And the big five are five questions that 
a couple will relate to teaching and then there's a couple others just to find out a little bit about you as an individual away from perhaps teacher education are you happy okay. to take on our big are you happy to take on our big five i am happy to take on the big five excellent there's nothing to catch you out is the first thing to say um yes. So, the, but the, well, we'll find out whether anything catches you out. Of the way, <laughs> won't we? I won't say that until we've done them. So first question, fairly straightforward one, probably for you. So your most, what do you believe is the most important trait or characteristic as a teacher, first of all? So from your experience of years of teaching, what do you think is the most important characteristic or trait as a teacher? A genuine investment in wanting to develop the whole child um, beyond maths and English beyond uh, what can be examined um, but really caring about a child as a whole and everything that that brings all their foibles all the all the quirks all their all their strengths all the things that make them uh, the amazing human beings that they are Hard to disagree with that. Your <laughs> favourite, no, it's going to be hard for you because I know you love reading. So your, I'm going to say your favourite book, but that is a very difficult question. So if you can't think of your favourite, you might have an all-time favourite straight away, but if you can't think of your favourite, then maybe one over the past 12 to 18 months that you've read that's had a real impact or something that you would recommend oh, to someone else. Such a tough question, James. I know, I know, the I know. book I keep, the, the most dog-eared book that has been dropped in the bath and picked up and reread <laughs> and pages folded over is The Time Traveller's Wife. Um, so that's probably... The, the, if you looked at my bookshelf, the one you would say I love the most. It's certainly the book I've reread the most. Uh, in terms of the book that's had the most impact on me as a, a, a bright-eyed uh, university student, um, I read Brave New World and that totally changed the way mm. I thought about society. So that's my kind of highbrow answer, but, but Time Traveller's Wife is the one that I've probably read the most often. And I've not read that. That is immediately on my list. Um, do it great. it's a great book I, i've okay. never watched the film because um i just feel like it will probably ruin a fantastic book <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes uh, i uh, that's always the case always yeah. <laughs> was it uh captain corelli's mandarin did that come as a, out as a film eventually it i read did, that yeah. right before i watched the film and it was the biggest mistake i could have made yeah um, it can be so disappointing can't it yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, actually uh, d d d those listening on the podcast won't know, but Emma's in a Raving Claw t-shirt today. The one thing I would say is that I think the Harry Potter books and the films, I don't think there's much to, I enjoyed the films nearly as much as I enjoyed the books. I have to agree. And I was just going to say the same thing in terms of series of books, then the Harry Potter books are by, I have them on audio tape, audio yeah. tape, that's showing my age. They're not on audio <laughs> tape at all. They're, they're on, <laughs> they're on uh, audio um, audible uh, on my phone. And uh, I go to sleep listening to the Harry Potter books every evening because I yeah, struggle to fall asleep. And so Stephen Fry reading very quietly in the background is, is what accompanies much, much. My husband is a long suffering man, but that's what <laughs> uh, accompanies the first hour of our evening routine. So Harry, Potter books and I agree the films are also fabulous so one of those rarities. Um, most important factor or most important characteristic or trait now as a mentor and we have explored that a little bit but if you had to pick up one thing so not as a teacher now but as a mentor what would be the most important factor or characteristic or trait that you can think of as a mentor? 
openness in a word and I think that encapsulates a lot of what we were talking about earlier so openness to the role but also openness to exploring your own practice and the uh, the kind of um, best fit for the person you're working with rather than having a closed idea of what teaching should look like. Excellent one person from history to the present day Okay, you're, you're hosting. So I should I should frame this far better than I currently am. You're hosting a dinner party. Okay, I mean you can have five people, five people yeah. at this dinner party, and it can be anyone, all the way through history to the present day. The first person on that list, who would they be? Stephen Fry. See, he's come oh. up twice now in this conversation. <laughs> I just think he's fascinating. Plus, he makes me laugh. And for a dinner party, what more do you need than that? <laughs> absolutely if 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 my mum listens to this podcast she would, would be fully agreeing with pretty much every single answer you've given so far Stephen Fry is an absolute hero um so a, a very very good choice and then last but not least um kind of looking forward to uh, the next academic year or looking forward over this year if you had one word to sum up what you want the next academic year to look like what would that word be which in our current scenario is is potentially quite difficult but looking forward for the sector if you could sum up what you'd want the next year to be like what word would you use compassionate um i think we need to have compassion for one another compassion for ourselves and compassion for the children that are going to be coming back having suffered or, or not coming back, we don't know, having suffered this collective trauma that we're all going through. So I think compassion is going to be absolutely central to everything we do from this point going going forward. And that, that leads perfectly really onto my, my last question or the last point that it would be great to chat about. Um, we, 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 I should say now we're recording this in, in July uh, in preparation to uh, release out in September. So um let's let's place ourselves in september now emma there's going to be lots of mentors who are listening to this who experienced or not are going to be in scenarios situations that they'll have never experienced before anxiety potentially will be higher around almost every element of school life uh, and so mentoring with potentially will add to that in terms of their own workload or what they're thinking about what advice would you give to those mentors who are listening to this now who are really excited about the opportunity to have a trainee but are worried about everything around them going on is going to impact on that is, is there any advice you could give to those people first of all be kind to yourself you know we can't we can't do it all we're going to be asked to deal with so many situations that as you say are completely alien to us i mean i've been asked i was asked a similar question at a, um, a recent event for nqts and um i was almost trying to reassure the NQTs that in in a way that's never happened before we're we're all going to be novices in September so th those feelings that the NQTs normally have going into a new year in September of uncertainty and not knowing what school's going to look like and the realities of the school day everybody from from the CEO of a map through to um, the teachers in the classroom we're all going to be feeling that um, so harness that, use that, talk to your uh, the person that you're working with, your trainee about it, and goes back to my point earlier about communication, be really open and honest about how you're feeling, because that will give them permission to feel that too, and you'll move forward together. Emma, thank you so much uh, for kicking off our podcast series. Brilliant to you're have welcome. you on. It's not been too painful? No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much.
as always, it was a pleasure to speak with Emma and plenty for us to consider when ensuring we're working compassionately with others. A thanks to Emma for taking the time to appear on this week's episode and a huge thank you to you for listening. Our next episode is a fascinating chat with Di Swift, Director of Keele and North Staffordshire Teacher Training. Until then, don't forget to check out all the free resources available on the Thames website. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you.